We are learning Daf Mem Dalad. We're starting from the mission on the bottom of Mem Gimel Amid Beis. Now, this mission takes us back to some of the more fundamentals that we have in the mitzvah of Yibam. So, the Mishnah says, Arba If I have four brothers who are married to four different women and then they die. So, we're talking about four different marriages, four different brothers all have uh, their own independent wives, and then they all die childless. So obviously there must be another brother here. There are really five brothers, so Mar is going to clarify that. And four of the brothers were married to four separate women, and then they die. If now the oldest surviving brother wants to take them all in Yibam, he could do such a thing. So here we're talking about the women are not related to each other, so there's no erva. It just happens to be that there were many different brothers who all died childless, and there are many different Yibam scenarios happening all, all at the same time. So the oldest brother, who has the first dibs, the first rights to do Yibam, so he could do Yibam to all of them. If, even if there were four of his brothers who passed away and leaving their wives for Yibam, this one surviving oldest brother could theoretically do Yibam to all of them. There's nothing wrong with doing so many Yibams. If somebody was married to two different women and died, you don't need chalitza and yibam to both of the widows. Doing chalitza or yibam to just one is going to be mater, it would release the co-wife to go away and marry Lashuk without anything further. So if the person dies and he has two wives, so there's a chi of yibam and chalitza only to one of them. Once one of them has it, then the other one can go. So in the ratio of the Mishnah, we're dealing with four different brothers having four different marriages. So there... There are four different chalitza and yibum requirements, and as we mentioned, the oldest brother can theoretically do yibum to all of the women. The seifa is talking about to a person who's married to two women. So there, there, there's a yibum and chalitza requirement to one of the two women. Continues the mission at top of the Amad Aleph. If these two women are there, let's say one of them is anyways possible. What does it mean anyways she's possible? Because he anyways cannot marry a coin. In other words, one was good for a coin, one was not. Let's say one of them had previously been divorced. So she is a grusha in any way she can never marry a coin. And one of them was not a grusha. She theoretically could marry a coin in the future. So then, if the surviving brother is opting to do chalitza, so he should be smart and chalitza He should do chalitza to the one who's anyways can't marry a coin. Because when you do chalitza, that midrabanan um, disqualifies her from marrying a coin. So it's proper to do chalitza to the one who anyways can't marry a coin. Because if you're going to do chalitza to the one who right now is fit to marry a coin, then you're disqualifying her from marrying a coin. So why do that? Isn't it nicer or smarter to just do chalitza to the one who anyways can't marry a coin in the future? And by doing that, you'll keep the kshera with her kosher status of being able to marry a coin. If he's going to do yibam, miyabim, miksher, then he does yibam with whichever one he wants, even to the kosher one, it doesn't make a difference. The point that the mission is saying is that in midos, you know, it's like kofano midos, Sodom here, we try to do the right thing, that uh, if you're going to do chalitza, you should disqualify the person who's anyways disqualified and not disqualify, uh, disqualify the person who otherwise would not be disqualified. So first the Gemara just cleans up in the language. You think that there are really only four brothers? If there were only four brothers and they all died, then no one is left to do yibam. So the Gemara says, arba Four amongst the many brothers who were married to four women died. So there are many other brothers, let's say there were ten brothers. Four brothers with, uh, with their wives died, and now, and now you have them falling to Yibam. And that was the point that the Mishnah was saying, that the oldest of the surviving brother has the first rights to do Yibam, and he could theoretically do for Yibam. So so now the Gemara analyzes, would the court ever let a person take four, four women in Yibam all at the same time? Would the court let that happen? It says in the the Pasuk says the elders of his city should call it the Yibam. 
So what does it mean that they should call him? That the elders of the city themselves should call him, and not, not through a shliach. It should be done through the court members themselves. And the elders will speak to him. They should offer him advice, which makes sense for him. What does that mean? Advice that makes sense. If he was young and she, the Yavama, was an older woman. Or if he was old and she was a younger woman. So it doesn't seem to be suitable. It's not appropriate, Shedach. So Omer Mlov, they tell him, Malacha Yitzel Yalda. What do you have with this young woman? Malacha Yitzel Sukaino. What do you have in common with the old woman? Klach Yitzel Shokamasko. You should go after and marry a woman who's similar to your age. Don't bring argument into your house. In other words, it's almost inevitable that, uh, that you're just going to end up fighting with a woman if you're not in the same generation as her. So, so we see that the court is very proactive in terms of their advice and how we, how we tell the oven what to do, who he should marry. And it's, if it's inadvisable, if it's not appropriate to do even, then the court will advise him not to do that. So in our case, if you have a Yavam, if he's going to pick up another four wives, that's going to be a lot of money that he's going to have to support, take on everything, and this, uh, the sustenance and everything of four new wives, that's a lot. So wouldn't the court um, discourage a person from doing that? So the Kamara says, We're talking about a case that the Yavam has, has the money. He has enough means to support four new wives. Says the Gemara, if we're talking about a case that there's so many Yavamas, and he, that then there could be even more Yavamas that he has the ability to support, I feel the two Banamis, let it be even more than four. Why is the Mishnah saying four? In other words, once we're saying that, really we would discourage a regular person from doing this. It just happens to be the Mishnah, the Mishnah is dealing with someone who has the means. So then why are we stopping at four? Let's say a person was very wealthy and he could uh, support many new wives, so it should be allowed there as well. Says the Gemara, it's a type of The Mishnah is just giving us a good piece of advice. Arba and there should be as many as four. It's fei but not more. That he should be able to give them relations at least once a month. The idea is that a person. Uh, I mean, there are different ideas we could see in the Gemara Subas eventually about how much a person should have relations with his wife, but there's a certain expect, expectation that at least once a week is considered normal. So then, if there's going to be an expectation about at least once a week, so if a person has. If a person has uh, a four wives, then even though he won't be able to give each one of them the relations once a week, but at least there will be relations once a month that each woman will receive. So she'll have her period once a month. At least once a month, she'll be able to work out that she'll have a beer with her husband. Whereas if he has more than four wives, if he has more than that number, so then it's possible that the, each wife will go even more than a month without having relations with her husband. And that's considered to be a bad thing. So therefore, the Mishnah is saying, that we cap it at four. That's what is appropriate. But more than that, it doesn't seem to be appropriate. So there's two considerations we see here about we see here about taking multiple wives. Number one is can you support them? And number two is can you provide them with enough relations? Now it seems like from the Gemara here that the idea is that as long as a woman gets an ono once a month, that's okay for her. And the whole idea of having relations once a week, that should be that the husband's having relations once a week. But for a woman, it's enough that she has just once a month. However, the post can tell us that that's only here by Yavama. By Yavama, you don't have the regular obligations of marriage. You know, it was forced upon the Yavam, so to speak. He didn't want this. But uh, for a regular wife, uh, really, it should, be, it should be relations one per week. Even if a person has multiple wives, he has to be careful to see that each wife receives the relations once a week. And Argamar is a little bit different. It's a Yavama. It's a Yavama. So then it was just kind of uh, forced upon the Yavam. There we say as long as she gets uh, one, one B a month, and that, that would be okay. All right. So what did the Mishnah say where you have a person who was married to, to two women so they fall to Yibam. So a uh, Yibam or Chalitza to one exempts both. So the Gemara says, how do we know all this? What's the background? Maybe it's a Chiyuv to take both of them in Yibam. If you think about it, 
the, the deceased left two different marriages. He left two different widows with two different marriages. So maybe there's a chi of Yibam to both. How do we know that Yibam to one exempts the other? So the Gemara says, Amar Chiv, Rahab, Amar Piochanan, Amar Kra. Asher Livna is Beis Achiv. By doing Chalitza, it says this should be done to the person who doesn't build his brother's home. So it sounds like it's Beis Achiv in the singular. That the, the concept of doing Yibam is always in the singular. At most, he would only build one home. He wouldn't build both homes. He would never marry both widows. So we have Xeris HaKasav that the Torah is exempting and therefore even answering a person from doing Yibam to both widows. Says the Gemara, okay, so if I know if I do Yibam to one, I don't do Yibam to the other. But maybe if I do Chalitza to one, then I have to do Chalitza to the other as well. How do I know that doing Chalitza to one exempts the other? When it's called the uh, when the chalitza is done, then it's going to be called the house of the removed shoes. So it sounds like again that it's only once that it is done in the singular. He does chalitza with one of the widows. He doesn't do chalitza with both widows. So if Yibam is done, it exempts the other. If Chalitza is done, it exempts the other. Says the Gemara, if you do Yibam to one, maybe you have to do Chalitza with the other. Meaning, maybe Yibam to one says, don't do Yibam to the other. And Chalitza to one exempts Chalitza from the other. But if I do Chalitza to one, maybe I still need Chalitza from the other one. If I do Yibam to one, maybe I still need Chalitza to the second one. Amar Kra, the Pasuk says, When do you do Chalitza? When you didn't want to do Yibam. The implication is, If the person would have wanted to, he would have done Yibam. What's the rule? Whenever a person, it's shy for them to do Yibam, they have the rights to do Yibam. So then, if they don't want to, they do Chalitza. If the woman is not subject to the din of Yibam, there's no need for Chalitza. So once we establish, after Yibam is done to one widow, then there's no Yibam with the second widow. So now we know automatically that the second widow will also be exempt from Chalitza because since she is not Ola Yibam, so she will be exempt from Chalitza. That's one reason. Va'od, and furthermore, another reason why there shouldn't be Chalitza to the second one after Yibam to the first one. Shiloh Yomer We don't want people to say that the house of the deceased was partially rebuilt with Yibam and partially it was released through Chalitza. We don't want people to say that there's, that there's such a concept of having par Chalitza and par Yibam. Says the Gemara Yomer, let people say that. What is the harm in having Chalitza after do, to the second one after doing uh, Yibam to the first one? So the Gemara says, If you would keep the order right and you would do Yibam to one and then Chalitza to the second, you're right, it wouldn't be much of a harm. Maybe with the person would do it the other way. They would do Chalitza first to widow number one and then they would go ahead and marry widow number two. That's a lot. The Torah says that after you do Chalitza to one, you're not allowed to build. So that's for sure that after you do Chalitza, you're not allowed to do Yibam. So if we were somebody would here, we'd do the opposite. There would be Yibam first, and then they would do Chalitza. People will say, ah, you could have a partially built home and a partially not built home. And they'll do the other way around. They'll have Chalitza first and then Yibam, which is absolutely forbidden. So therefore we say that after Yibam, after, after Yibam is done to widow number one, there should dafka not be a Chalitza to woman number two, so that it won't lead to any mistakes. So bottom line is, after Yibam is done to one, we now know Yibam is not done to the second one because of bias. Chalitza is not done for two reasons. Number one, because and second of all, because it could lead to problems with people doing Chalitza to widow number one and then Yibam to widow number two. Says the Gemara, how do we know that the din of bona base batim is that once you do yibum to one, yibum is not done to the other? Maybe I should say, maybe if there's only one yivama, then there is a din of yibum v'chalitza. If there are two or more yivamas, then maybe the rechlal is no mitzvah. Maybe we're understanding the gzeres hakasav wrong. It's not that the pshat, that the pasuk is saying that once one 
Yibam is done, then another Yibam is not done. Maybe the Patrick is saying it's only when there is one Yibam to do that there is Yibam at all. But if there are two Yivamas where each theoretically each one wants their own Yibam, and you can't do Yibam to both, maybe there's no Yibam at all. And maybe we've been interpreting it wrong. And maybe when a man leaves two wives, there's Bachlal, no Zika, there's no Din to Yibam whatsoever. So the Gemara says back, Im Kain, if that we know that's wrong, because had that been true, Tsaras Arabah, the Asra Rahman Alamali, why would Hashem have to say that it's Sarah and Arabah doesn't do Yibam? Remember, well, one of the widows is an Arabah. Then not only should she not do Yibam, but the co as well, why would the Torah have to say that? If every case when there's two widows, you tell me that there's no option for Chalitza Yibam. If, if it's true, were it to be true, that if there are two widows left and there's Bechlau no Din of Yibam, then certainly if the co wife of an Arab shouldn't do Yibam, what would the Chiddush be? It must be that when there's two widows generally, there is Yibam. And the Torah is telling us, but it's Arav and Arav, there's no Yibam. So now we know that we, we cannot interpret that two widows generally, there's no Yibam. It must be that the Torah is just saying, after you did Yibam to one, now you don't do Yibam to the other. Says the Gemara, that's not a good explanation because Allah, Allah why can't I say it? It's it is still not, even if when there's two widows, there wouldn't do Yibam, I, I would still need the Pasuk to say that it's Arav and doesn't do Yibam. It's it's necessary. I may have thought to say, the Arav is outside, meaning she's inherently no good for Yibam. So it's as if she doesn't exist, she has no Zika. And Therefore, it's really only like there's one Yibim, one widow placed in front of Yibim, but this Yabim Sarasa. So the co-wife should do it. She's the only eligible one. Kamash Malandas here, the Matar, therefore, to tell us, I know it's our servant doesn't do Yibim. So maybe really we're saying that the Dinah Be'ezachar Be'enu Bonu Be'ezbatim is saying that when there are two Yibamas, there's no Yibim at all. Not just that if you do Yibam to the one, the other one is exempt, but really there's no Yibam at all when there are two Yibamas. I was the Chiddush of Zaras Erva, the Chiddush of Zaras Erva, so you would have said there that uh, since the Erva is Avroi, maybe she's outside, she has no Zika, so the other one is only is the only Yibama. So the Torah has to tell us, no, Zaras Erva doesn't do Yibam. So how do I know now that I interpreted right and by two Yibamas there is Yibam? Eli Yivimto, Yivimto, Riba. We have an extra word Yivimto. The extra word Yivimto tells us that, um, extra word Yivimto tells us that that generally when there are two widows, one of them would do Yibam. The only thing the Torah is telling you is the Torah is simply saying that after Yibam is done to one, then a second Yibam is not done as well. So to summarize, when a man leaves two widows, one Yibam is done, a second Yibam is not done, the second Chalitza is not done, and when there's a Kasaras of Erevah, there's no Yibam done to either. Mishnah mentioned, if there are two widows and one of them is anyways can't marry a coin in the future, let's say one of them was divorced and one of them could marry a coin in the future, so then the chalitza should be done to the one who, who anyways can't marry a coin in the future. Amar Yosef Kanchan Rebbe, here Rebbe is teaching us not so much a Yavamas Dikadin, but some, a nice moral lesson. A person should not spill out extra water from his bid. If other people could have a use from it, meaning it's like, why is it that if you have something that can help somebody, why should you wait? So even if you don't have any benefit from it, at least try to help somebody else. So, so to here, you could do chalitza to the possible one who anyways can't marry a coin in the future. That's smarter, that's nicer to do that than to do chalitza to the one who in the future could theoretically have married a coin. So it's not so much a Yavamas type of halacha as much as that's the right midos, that's the correct thing to do. Says the Mishnah, if somebody takes back a woman that he divorced, so that's a law in the Torah, that after you divorce a woman and she remarries somebody else, if that marriage ends, she cannot go back to her original husband. That's a law in the Torah. Now, it's a plain law. It doesn't carry the courage penalty. Someone who marries his chalutza. So that's a law in the Torah. Once you do chalitza, you're not allowed to take back the woman 
that you um, that you did chalitza to. But I know say krovas chalutza. So somebody marries the relative of a chalutza. So that pashtos is a drabanon, right? We've been seeing that before. That a chalutza midrabanon, you can't marry the relatives. And, you know, it gets confused with the woman that you divorce. Woman that you divorce, you had a real marriage with your asra and the relatives, even midaraisa. So pashtos krovas chalutza is a, is a drabanon. We'll see in the gemara about that. So in all these cases, yotzi he has to send her away because the marriage is asr. Avad mamzer the kid makes a mamzer mamzer. According to Rabbi Akiva, there's a mamzer even from Chavi Lav, and even though there's no Kari's penalty, it's not so bad. It's just a plain Lav. Still, Rabbi Akiva holds that even a plain Chavi Lav and creates mamzer is that the kid is, a, is now a mamzer. He can't marry a regular person. According to Rabbi Yuda, a child born from a plain Isra, from a plain Lav, is a mamzer. The child is not a mamzer. According to the Chachamim, mamzer is only from a Chavi Krisus. But from a Chavi Lavin, like the examples here in the Mishnah, there would not be a mamzer. Says the Mishnah, Umodim binose kravas kuru shasa. The Chachamim would agree that if somebody married, if somebody married to the relative of a divorced woman, that had been, that had not been mentioned yet in the Mishnah. Let's say it's a relative of a divorced woman. For a person, let's say divorced woman, and now he takes a sister. So that's a total erva that has karitz. There, Avlad Mamzer. The Chachamim would agree it's a Mamzer. The Chachamim are only disagreeing in the Mishnah because all the examples in the Mishnah are only a plain love. But if it would be an example of an erva that carries the karitz penalty, then the Chachamim would agree that the kid is a Mamzer. So most of the cases in the Mishnah we can understand. Maser, Grushaso, Notsi, Chalutzaso, those we can understand there are a lot. But what about the third case? I know it's a Krovitz Chalutzaso. Could it really be there if Kiva holds if somebody's marrying the relative of Chalutza, the kid is a Mamzer? But it's not even Daraisa. Vamar, Shlakish, Shlakish said back on the Mishnah, Daf, Mem Aleph. Khan, Chana, Rebbe, here Rebbe taught. Here Rebbe taught. Rebbe taught that uh, the sister of a divorced woman is Asr Midaraisa. The sister of a Chalutza is only Asr Midarabanan. So if it's only Asr Midarabanan, so there can't be that there's Mamzeris. Even if we say that there's Mamzeris from, from a Lav, but not from a Darabanan. So the Gemara says, Tani Krovas Gurushaso. You're right. We have to change the gears in the Mishnah. The Mishnah shouldn't say Krovas Chalutzaso. Krovas Chalutzaso is only Darabanan. That doesn't make Mamzeris. We should change it to the relative of a divorced woman, which that is Taka Daraisa. Says the Gemara, and how can I stop? And it's interesting because then it's not even Chavi Lavin, it's a Chavi Krisos, and that's why the Rabbanim would even agree to that. But Akhopanim was mentioned in the Mishnah as, as, part of, as part of Rabbi Akiva's statement, but it's not an example in Achanami of a Darabanon, and it's not an example of a Lav, it's actually a total Arab. Achanami Mishnah, it makes sense what we just amended. We, t- we changed Chalot Sasu to Guru Shasu. Why? Tiktani, say for the end of the Mishnah said, Modim, Benesi Krevis Guru Shasu, so Vlad Mamzer. It said the Chachamim agree if somebody marries the relative of a Grusha, that it is a Mamzer. So where did that come from? Yam, Rabbi Shalom, the Ayri Bav, you say that Rabbi Akiva had mentioned Krevis Guru Shasu, Hani Tani Modim. That's why the Chachamim admit, because the Chachamim are responsible. To the statement, and they disagreed with two of the cases. They disagreed with Master Grushaso and with Nosi Chalutzaso, but they're saying we agreed to the third point that you said, Krevis Grushaso, because that one has Gares. Ali Amrlo, Ayribaf, Rabbi Kiva had never been discussing that. He never mentioned the relative of a divorced woman, Mai Modem. What does it mean the Chachamim agree? That was never something that Rabbi Akiva had been speaking about. Says the Gemara, no. You're right. The Rabbi Akiva didn't speak about it, but the Chachamim are just saying, even though we disagree with you, and we say there's no Mamzer from Chavi Lav, and there still is Mamzer from Chavi Krisis, and we're just giving an example of Chavi Krisis. That's why it's coming up. Says the Gemara, that's not a good legitimate reason it's coming up. Come on, that's going to be in a Mishnah later. Where's the Mishnah in Daf Memtas? It says, Ezu Mamzer, what is a Mamzer? According to Rabbi Akiva, it's any relative that you're not allowed to marry out to Lav. Then uh, that creates that creates mamzeris. Shemun atimoni, Yom Shemun atimoni says, Kol shachadil of karis b'deishemayim. It's any any isra erva that is karis if you're bald. Allah is bald. Allah is like him. So the Mishnah there already says that mamzeris comes from karis, from karis relationship. So why would our Mishnah need to reiterate that? It must be. 
that the Mishnah is not coming to make that point. It's just that Rabbi Akiva was speaking about Krovis Grushasu as well. That was his third example. So responding to that, the Chacham say we agree. Says the Gemara, no, Dilma really, because Hasam Latanik, Rabbi Shimatimani, maybe really the Rabbana here are coming to point out. We agree by Magzim Rechavi Krisos. The Mishnah later is coming to make a Stam Mishnah to tell us that that's the Halacha. Says the Gemara, in Kain listening Shach Chavi Then the Mishnah could have said other Chavi Krisos here. Kroiv Askrushasu Lamali. Why would our Mishnah single out the relative of a divorced woman? There are many Chavi Krisos. I don't know. A sister is also Chavi Krisos. Why is the Mishnah singling out relative of the, relatives of the divorcee? Must be Lashmami. No, I recall. Must be Rabbi Kiva had discussed the relative of the divorcee, and the Rabbanim were responding to that. Says the Gemara, Maybe really Rabbi Kiva was not talking about it. But since in his list we were talking about women that, that the relationship had ended with, a man who remarried his divorcee, a man who remarried a chalutza, and were the relatives of a chalutza, if that's the girsa. So when the Rabbanim were thinking about an example, they, did, they said something which was similar, like the relative of a divorcee. So maybe the Rabbanim are not responding to something Rabbi Akiva said, but rather they're just picking an example which was similar to some of the things that he had said. So bottom line is, we have refuted making a change in the Gersa. Really, the Gersa in front of us was Krovas Chalutzas and Rabbi Akiva. We struggle with that because that simply is only Darabana. How could there be Mamzer from a Darabana? But the Gemara gets stuck in changing the Gersa because the Rabbanan we don't have any support to it. So the Gemara actually changes its approach. We take the approach that actually Krovas Chalutzaso is a Mamzer according to Rabbi Akiva. It is not a Durabanan. According to Rabbi Akiva, Krovas Chalutzaso is actually a De'oraisa Isser. So what is the source? After Chalitza, what does the Pasuk say? That it's based Chalutza now, the house of the person that the shoe was removed. Now, cause of Karabesh, so the Torah calls it his house as if it's a, if, as if it's a wife. So the Torah is treating the Chalutza as if she is the, the, the wife, the house of the oven that had been divorced. So therefore... The relatives would be ushered by Torah law. So that's only Rabbi Akiva's opinion. Rabbi Shlakish and Daphne Ma'alaf, when he was saying that the relatives of the Chalutza are the Rabbanon, he was going like the, most of the other Tanam who understand that the Krovos Chalutza is only a Din with Rabbanon, but Rabbi Akiva, it happens to be, understands that it is a Din Darizim. So the Gemara is keeping the Girsa of Kroivas. And it's explaining that according to Rabbi Akiva, actually it is a mamzer because of this nuxer sarcosis. So it ends up that there's really two different debates going on in the mission. Number one is when I have an isra midaraisa, that's a plain law, does it create mamzerers? And number two, is there an isra diaraisa to marry the kreva of the chalutza or not? Okay, now the Gemara continues. Everybody agrees. Somebody remarries a divorced, a divorced woman, a woman that he had already divorced and remarried, and now he's taking her back. Everybody agrees that the kid is pogum. There's something tainted about the child in terms of them marrying a coin in the future. If the child is a girl, she cannot marry a coin in the future. Now, this is a chiddish because the Rabbanon don't agree that the kid is a mamzer. Right? It's only a plain lot. But the Gemara is saying that even though the Rabbanon don't hold the kid as a mamzer, but the kid would still be tainted. He should not, the girl, the daughter should not marry a coin. A coin in the future. Who agrees to this? Even though Shemanatimani holds that it's not a mamzer from a chayvilav, yes, it's true, the kid's not a mamzer, but he will at least be tainted. It will be the status of like chalolus. Chalolus is when I have a problem in kahuna that uh, cannot, uh, the child cannot marry a coin. So, for example, let's say a coin gadol marries an amana, so she becomes disqualified from kahuna, and her child as well would be a chalala, someone who cannot marry a coin. And what Argamar is saying is that even when you're not violating a kahuna relationship necessarily, there's an isra of masra that's universal, that applies to anyone. <clears throat> but if the person is masra kushraso, even though the kid won't be a mamzer, but the kid will be like a halala who cannot marry a coin. 
what is the source for such a halacha? We make a kavachomer from the isra of a widow who marries a kohen gadol. It's not such a big isra, it's not such a broad scope. It's only asr to the kohen gadol, it's mutter to everybody else, but not pagam. But still, her child from the kohen gadol would be pagam. The Pasuk says, when a kohen gadol marries a widow, so that means that the children would be a halala. So if even such a weak Isser makes the children Pagam Lekahuna, Suzushi, Surah Shavabakol, so this one, the divorcee, where the Isser is Shavabakol, it applies to everybody, it's universal. Certainly the kid, even if the kid won't be a Mamzer, but the kid should be Pagam Lekahuna. Says the Gemara, is that really a good Kavachomer? We can make a refutation. When it's the Kohen Gadol marrying the Amana, what happens to the Amana is that she herself is disqualified from Kuhuna in the future. And we know this because the Torah says, Lo Yechalel, Zaro, but it doesn't just say Yachel, it says Yechalel. So there's two different disqualifications, that the kids become disqualified, the daughter will be a Chalala, and also the, the widow herself will be a Chalala. So there, it's worse. She is also impacted. How can that be a source for Master Grusha? So by Master Grusha, there's no Halacha that the Grusha the Grusha also becomes um, becomes a halala. There's no, we don't have any source for that. That let's say she she's not able to continue eating truma. Let's say uh, in terms of truma, the only reason I'm saying truma is because, anyways, as a Grusha can't marry a coin. But there's no halacha that if Master Grusha also marries 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 again, then there's no halacha that she cannot that she loses her rights to eat truma in the future. So if, if Amman al-Kohen Gadol can't be a good source. Amman al-Kohen Gadol, this, yes, it's true, it's not Shavu Bakol, but there, the Amman becomes disqualified from Kuhuna in the future, whereas by Master Grushaso, there's no din that she loses her, her, her rights to trim in the future. So maybe, as well, the kid will not be a Halala, will not be disqualified to marry a Kohen. For Ode, another source, a source that Master Grushaso, the kids could marry a Kohen in because it says, he toeva, she's rejecting, but not a toeva, but her kids are not rejecting. Now, the Pasuk, when he's talking about Master Grushasu, it calls it a toeva, and the Torah says she is a toeva. So we're saying that only the Master Grushasu, the Isra itself, is considered toeva, but that implication is that there's no impact on the children. So that's actually a source that the, the, the children could marry Kohanim. And now a third reason, vote. Furthermore, Tanya says in the Brites, somebody who remarries is divorcing. He remarries a Chalutza or marries a relative of his Chalutza. Rabbi Kiva, there's no Kedushin with her. There's no Tfisa's Kedushin. According to Rabbi Akiva, the same way he was saying, there's a Mamza from Chavilab, and there's also no Tfisa's Kedushin. It's ineffective if, it's, if they try to be married. So she doesn't require get. And she is disqualified. She becomes disqualified. She's like a zona, according to Rabbi Kiva, that it's a, that 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 we treat Chavi Lavin like an erva. So she'll become a zona if she has such a bia. Vlad the apostle and the kid is also disqualified. He's a mamzer. He can't marry a regular person. That's all Rabbi Akiva. But and we force him to send her away to divorce. No, it's only a chavi lavin. So there is tefisus kedushin. So if they, she needs a get to leave, she is kosher, meaning that she is not considered a zona. Vlad the kosher and the kid is kosher. So here it says in the bright so the kid is kosher. If the master kushaso, the kid is kosher. So what does it mean? The kid is kosher. Laman, who is she kosher to? Lav lekuhuna. Doesn't it mean that she's even kosher? So we see that the kid is not considered a pakam lakuhuna. Says the Gemara load, it's not a proof. Maybe the Chachama only meant that the kid is eligible to marry into somebody, the regular congregation, meaning that the kid is not a mamzer. But then it could be that the kid is tainted from marrying a Kohen. 
Says the Gemara, if that's what kasher means, what do the Chachamim mean when they say she's kasher? If you say it means that she's kasher and Mary, somebody in the regular congregation, that's obvious. Just because she had an Isr Bia, she should be Asr Lakal, meaning she's not a Zona. In, in, in any ways, just because she had one Asr Bia, that's not going to Asr her Lakal. And even if she would be a Zona, it doesn't necessarily Asr her. That doesn't even necessarily Asr Lakal. A Zona is someone who can't marry a, a, Zona can't marry a Kohen. Of course, when it was saying she was kosher, it meant that even she could even marry a kuhuna. And it was saying that since according to Rabbanan, it's only a lav, she's not a zona, she could even marry a kohen. So when it was saying kosher there, it meant kosher even lakuhuna. So since when we're saying she was kosher, it means that she's kosher even lakuhuna. So when it's saying her kid is kosher, presumably it means just like her, just like her. The woman was Zana is kasher lakuna. So too, the child is kasher lakuhuna. So we have, so 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 we see that what we were saying is correct. The child is kasher lakuna, and it's a kasha. What we were saying previously that um, that the, the the child from a master kushaso is invalid for kuna. Says the gemara mediary. Is that a proof? Each one was said as it is. Meaning, when it was saying kasher in regard to the woman, it was saying it differently than kasher for the child. Kasher for the woman means kasher lakuhuna. Kasher for the kid might mean only kasher lakal. Now the Gemara is going to work the other way. We've been trying to prove that for sure the kid is invalid. Now we're going to prove that the kid is valid. Uh, Again, our issue is within the opinion of the Rabbanan that ain't mamzer mechayve laven. There's no mamzer mechayve laven, but is the kid kosher lekuhuna? The Gemara was trying to make an argument before that uh, perhaps we have a kalachaymer from Master Grushasai that should say that the kid is Basil Lakuna. Says the Mahanami Mustabra, it's also reasonable that Kasher can mean different things. The Tani Rasha, what did the first part of the Bryce have said when Rabbi Kiva was talking? He said, Heepsula Vada Puzzle. She is disqualified according to Rabbi Kiva and the Vlad is puzzle. Heepsula What does it mean she's puzzle for? Ilim Lakaf, it means that she's puzzle Lakahal, even if she is a zona, but a regular show can marry a zona, Mishim Dizania Silakahal, because a woman is a zona, she's also to marry anybody. El Avlakuna, it must mean that she's also Lakuhuna. As a coin can't marry his Uvlada, okay, so puzzle means lakuhuna. Uvlada puzzle laman, but what does it mean when it says the kid is disqualified? According to Rabbi Giva, ilima lakuna kalahal kasher. If all we meant is that the kid is puzzle for kuhuna, but to the kahal it's good, that can't be. So the kid can't marry anybody. When Rabbi Giva says that the kid is puzzle, he for sure means puzzle even to anyone in the congregation. But when he was saying that the mother is puzzle, he meant puzzle to kuhuna davka. So same way when Rabbi Kiva was talking, you see that who is possible is being used differently. When we said possible for the kid, it means possible for the whole congregation. When we said possible for the mother, it means only, only possible lakuna. So safe when the Rabbanan are saying kosher, they could also use the terms of kosher differently. And we don't necessarily have a proof that the kid is kosher, it means kosher even lakuna. Maybe kosher only means for the congregation, but maybe in a Hanami, the kid is possible lakuna. Says the Gemara. So now that we refuted that point, so now the Gemara goes back to the earlier challenges. This that you were bringing hitoeva. That was the thing that it said that Master Shosu, she's an abomination. And the implication was that the kid is not an abomination. The kid is kasher lakuna. But we could say no. Hitoeva means sarasa toeva. Maybe the pasuk saying she's rejected, but the co-wife is not. Meaning if someone is Master Shosu, and then he has another wife as well, and he dies childless, we're not going to say that the co-wife doesn't do evil. Maybe that's what the Torah is saying. She's a toeva. The co-wife would be able to do evil. Now, well, what's with the children? Toeva. Maybe the children. Of a master grushaso, a toeva from a master grushaso, and a chanat would be a toeva, which would, they would be also lakuhuna. So we can deal with the third and the second question, and we can argue back and say that um, that actually the child, the child of a master grushaso, would in fact be pasul lakuhuna. But what's with the first question? What was our source for the whole thing? Again, we made a kavachomer from amana. Amana lakayin gadol is not iser. That's universal, and still it's it's pasul lakuhuna. The kid is no good lakuhuna. So certainly, 
uh, where the Isra is universal, so the kid should be also Lakuna. But we had a question on that. We had a refutation on the Kava Chomer that the Almana herself becomes disqualified. Loi Chalel says that she herself cannot marry a coin in the future after this. And she would lose her rights to eat from us. So, 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 how do I know to apply that to Master Grusha? Also, we're we're not going to say that the woman herself loses her rights to eat. Truma. So if she's not going to lose her rights to eat truma, Master tells me she needs it. So how do I know that it should now impact the child and say that the child can't marry Kuna and a Kohen in the future? So the Gemara cannot deal with this. This is Taka Kasha, we cannot answer. And we do not really have a source that Master Grusha, so the kid should be Apostle Kuna. Our only source would have been from Amanulakai and Gadol, but it can't really be a good source. Amanulakai and Gadol is worse because there the Amana herself becomes disqualified. The din of Leichal. Master Grushasa Mishinis says we don't have a source, and therefore we don't end up with a Kavachomer working out. So the Gemara says, You're right. Eli Itmar, if anything was said, Hachi Itmar, this is the way it was said. Amar Vios from Shimon Yosef said in the name of Shimon Rebbe, Hakamodim of all Chavi Krisa Shavlat Pogam. Everybody agrees. And if somebody has Bia with a Chavi Krisos, the kid will for sure not be able to marry a Kohen. Man Hakamodim, what do you mean Hakamodim? And what the Gemara is saying is that I thought from Chavi Krisos, even the Rabbanon say it's a Mamza. So the kid is a Mamza. So the Gemara explains it's going like the one opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua is a Dasiach, Avagam Yeshua, in Mamza, Machavi Krisos. He holds that there's no Mamza from Chavi Krisos. In his view, in order to make Mamzeris, it has to be that there's a penalty of death. But let's say somebody sleeps with their sister where there's only Kharis. According to Rabbi Yeshua, there's no Mamzeris. So even though Rabbi Yeshua says, even if the kid is not a Mamzeris, the kid would be Pogam Lakuna. And here we can make a source from Kavachomer. From Ammonah. Kavachomer, Ammonah, Ammonah, Kohen Gadol. She needs to assure Vakol regarding marrying the widow of Kohen Gadol. Where it's not an Isra to everybody. Still, Pino Pogum, Zusi, Shir Shavabakol. This one, the child from a Chaive Krisus, where it's an Isra to everybody. Everybody, let's say, can't marry their sister. And on Dinah Shabbat certainly the kid should be Pasulukuhuna. And now, now we're not going to have the refutation that, that an Ammonah herself can't marry a coin in the future, but this woman could, because if you're going to try to refute it the same way we, did, we refuted Master Rishasra, because, hey, Amman is worse, she becomes possible lacuna through this, but here too, in this case, where it's a chayvi crisis, certainly the woman becomes a zona, and she wouldn't be allowed to marry a coin after doing this. If a man would marry his sister, so that sister wouldn't, would now become a zona, and he would become also to marry a coin in the future. Even Rabbi Yeshua would agree to that. He's just saying there's no mamzeros from chayvi crisis, but he would agree that the woman becomes a zona with the bia. If the woman becomes a zona with the bia, then she can't marry a Kohen in the future. So now the Kabachomer is back on. So the Kabachomer finds life in the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. So to summarize, we have three opinions. Rabbi Akiva holds that there's Mamzerus even from Chavi Lavin. Shimonati Mone and the Chachamim hold that there's Mamzerus only from Chavi Krisis, not Chavi Lavin. Rabbi Yeshua holds that there's Mamzerus only from Chavi Mises Basin, but not from Chavi Krisis as well. The Gemara is saying, according to Rabbi Yeshua, that there's no Mamzerus from Chavi Krisis, but the kid would still be Pogam Lakahuna. The Gemara was debating back and forth what would the Rabbanon say about a product of Chavi Lavin. Is the kid Pogam Lakahuna? Lamaisa, the Gemara doesn't end up with a source that the kid would be Pogam Lakuna.